0: This is the Woodland Hills Family Church Podcast. Our desire is to inspire you and your family to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Now enjoy today's message with Ted Cunningham. We are in a series right now called Living with the End in Mind. and started it last week in this great book of Ecclesiastes. If you have your Bibles and you want to turn to Ecclesiastes 2, that's where we're going to be today. Uh, Last week we introduced this book talking about everything is meaningless under the sun and chasing after the wind. And we saw that uh, everything is meaningless. Uh, what Solomon is referring to there is this idea that uh, everything is utterly meaningless apart from God. And the things we like to chase, the, the pursuits in life that we make the end in mind, we get to the end of that pursuit, whether it be a job, a promotion, uh, a retirement uh, A house, a car, whatever, we get there and we're like, it isn't quite what I thought it would be. It's because it's not supposed to be your end in mind. When we get to Ecclesiastes 12, we see fear God and keep His commandments. And so we are living with the end in mind. And today in chapter 2, it picks up from chapter 1 because you see in chapter 1 this energy and wisdom applied to the irregularities of life. Trying to figure out what's going on under the sun and, and to find meaning if I do this or do that. And so I, if I, if I study it more, if I think about it more, if I find wisdom, then maybe it'll make sense. Well, today, uh, Solomon is gonna put to, to the test pleasure. Trying to fill our lives with pleasure. Saying yes to everything that is presented to us to see if that will give us a full life. And we already know the answer. The answer is no. That's not the end in mind either. We were on uh, the couch, Amy and I, this week, and Amy was buying Christmas presents. Who already has done Christmas shopping? Could I see your hand? I'm really proud of you and proud of you. And did you buy anything? Because it's, uh, I'm like, we got two people. How many people do you have to buy for? 13 grandkids. 13 grandkids. You bought all of them gifts already? No, no, we don't buy for grandkids anymore. Okay, all right. So Amy looked at me, and that's all she said. She goes, You're in charge of your brother. Uh, Get him something. And I was ready because my brother and I went to a Phillies game uh, in June. And uh, I've never been to a game where they sell the memorabilia from that game. I grew up going to the Cubs games in Chicago. Like, you know, a ball hits the dirt and a scuff. They sell it for 50 bucks up in the concourse. And I bought my brother one that was thrown to Schwarber. I thought, this is awesome. And Amy says this to me and I go, oh, I know exactly what I'm going to get him. I'm going to buy him a real base that was used in a game in a Cubs game and this is going to be the best gift I've ever given him he's going to keep it forever he's going to treasure it and so I I google uh, Chicago Cubs first base authentic for sale and the first one that popped up and my heart started racing was uh, game 7 of the 2016 World Series first base so Rizzo I mean he's touching the base so I mean I'm like this is exactly what, what I need to get him and then I hit it and it was 102000 <laughs> $102,000 And, you know, my brother has a December birthday, so you can combine birthday and Christmas. Everybody with a birthday in December knows that. You like your birthday and Christmas combined. And I thought, well, I can combine his Christmas and birthday, and if he lives to 642, I can get it. My brother has a lot of Cubs memorabilia, and I, and I started to think about that. All this stuff that we go after, and what happens after that initial, initial adrenaline rush wears off? You've bought something before and you're like, this is awesome. And two weeks later, you're like, eh, eh, it, it didn't do what I thought it was going to do. And I thought I, I could buy that base for my brother. Just so you know, I'm not buying that base. I love my brother, but you know what they say? It's the thought that counts. And so I asked him uh, to give me credit for the thought. I already told him about it. I go, guess what I was going to get you for Christmas? He's like, thanks, bro. I'm like, yeah, but you're getting baseball cards. So uh, we all get that. And the chasing after the wind is the idea that I put so much energy into something, save up for it, finally get it. And when that wears off, and today Solomon is going to test this. And there's some seniors in this room that have tested a lot of what he's going to talk about today. And there's some young people going, I still want to test it. I still want to see if this is really the end in mind and if this is going to bring me ultimate meaning and fulfillment in life. But I'm looking around at what Solomon refers to in chapter 12 of this great book, Blossoming Almond Trees. And that's the, the image he gives us for gray hair. And there's a lot of blossoming almond trees in this room right now who are going to read through this list and go, you know what, yep, I did that. I bought the house of my dreams, and then it wasn't a year or two later that I realized every square foot I own owns me. And some of you are at that place, you can't wait to downsize, you can't wait for less. And so let's let's look at this test today, and before we jump into Ecclesiastes chapter 2, here's what we're going to learn from this chapter, and if you're new to our church, we're going to go through this a chapter at a time, we're going to spend 12 weeks uh, with a little break for Christmas, and take this through the winter, and we're not going to be able to go through every verse, today's a pretty text-heavy message, uh, but we're we're going to encourage you in your home group, and in your family, and in your quiet time, uh, to dive into each chapter during the week but today we're going to learn that more effort and wisdom that's from chapter one more pleasure food wine laughter accomplishments square footage and wealth will not bring more meaning to your life it's not going to bring more meaning and we've we've heard this before if you've been in church for uh, years you've heard us talk about this vacuum that we have and by the way this is what our family calls the love jug uh, it refers to the heart and I used to use this with my kids to teach about codependency we're going to use it in a different way today to talk about the stuff we pour into our lives to try to be full but we know and we've heard this before there is this God-shaped vacuum in every man that only Christ can fill And yet, you and I, if we're honest, we continue to pour other stuff in there to find meaning and purpose. Those were our two words last week, pursuit and purpose. There's a lot that we pursue in life that are good pursuits. They're just not the end in mind. Christ is the end in mind, and when He's the end in mind, fearing God, keeping His commandments, honoring the Lord, worshiping Him only, then we see all this other stuff has purpose that comes to it. And we are going to see today this idea that we worship the giver, not the gifts. Whenever you turn a gift from the hand of God uh, into your sole source of life, the thing that you want to bring meaning, this is when we turn gifts into idols, idols. This is when we try to fill our lives with something that was never meant to bring the purpose and the meaning. That is a place only for God. So let's look at Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Solomon says, I said to myself, come now, I will test you, meaning of life and in mind, with pleasure to find out what is good. So he's going to set out on this test. But that also to proved to be meaningless. And then he starts, oh, verse 2, laughter. I love laughter. Who in here loves laughter? We all love laughter. We're going to see in Ecclesiastes 7, and by the way, I'm not that guy you want to watch a movie with if I've already seen the movie. I am a terrible person to watch because I'm always going to, oh, just wait. Or if you get distracted on your phone, i like, put it down, you've got to watch this right here. Okay, so we get to Ecclesiastes 7, and what does Solomon say? Sorrow is better than laughter. He doesn't say laughter is bad. We, a cheerful heart is good medicine. But the laughter is not meant to be our source of life. Laughter, I said, is madness. And what does pleasure accomplish? And so I love he starts off these chapters with questions that lead into this test. Verse 3, I tried cheering myself with wine. And I grew up independent, fundamental, premillennial, King James Version, only Baptist. This is not an approved glass. I want everybody to know that in the independent Baptist church. I had to borrow this from Travis's house and I said... Uh, <laughs> Can you let me borrow a wine glass? He said, make sure I get it back. I don't want to lose my set. All right, I said, no problem. But you know people that are trying to fill their lives right now, cheering themselves with wine. And yet we're going to get in, in a little bit to Ecclesiastes 9 where it says, eat your food with gladness, drink your wine with a joyful heart. For now God favors what you do. And we're going to see the, today the difference between treating something as a source and treating something as a gift. He goes on, embracing folly, my mind still guiding me with wisdom. And most scholars believe this is referring back to chapter 1 where he's talking about I'm still on this pursuit of wisdom. I'm still trying to figure out the irregularities of life and the challenges of this toilsome labor under the sun. I wanted to see what was good for people to do under the heavens during the few days of their lives. Keep this in mind because this comes back in just a moment. But it's a theme throughout all of Scripture. The brevity of life, it's a mist, it's a vapor, we're here for a short time, and then we're gone. Seventy years we have upon this earth. Eighty if we're strong, if our, if our strength endures. But those years are filled with sorrow and anguish. Life's a mist, a vapor, it's hard, it's difficult, it's challenging. It goes on to say in verse 4, I undertook great projects. And I love when it transitions to this, because there are people in here going... Crazy that people would try to cheer themselves and find meaning in this and yet you find meaning in this You've turned your job, which is your source of income into your source of life We do this we take every meeting every opportunity every endeavor every project that's given to us and we say we have to do it. So we say yes to everything. He says I built houses for myself. We had a lady rang the doorbell a couple of weeks ago, it was a Monday afternoon, late afternoon, I go to the door, I open it, her minivan's parked out in our driveway, and the door's open, I can tell she has a few kids in there, and she goes, hey, this I know is out of nowhere, but is there any chance you would be willing to sell me your house? <laughs> and I go, man, we're flattered, thank you, and she was from Park City, Utah, they had just moved here, and uh, I said, I go, no ma'am, I go, you're never going to believe this, but in May, our daughter got married in the backyard. And I'm here until the Lord returns. Because uh, you can't put a price on memories. You know what I'm talking about? You can't put a price on memories. And I go in the house, I shut the door, and Amy goes, who was that? I said, a lady wants to buy our house, but don't worry. I told her, you can't put a price on memories. And Amy's like, yes, you can. You most certainly can. Our memories are for sale. She gave me some crazy numbers. You go chase her down. I can't even tell you the number. I'm so embarrassed. It's like a 5X multiplier on the value of our house. But we're going to give her the contents too. And I thought to myself, you know why I don't want to sell my house? I don't want to build another one. <laughs> and I know some of you love it. Uh, it's hard to build a house in the Ozarks as a pastor. You start getting bids from people. And you're like, well, I'm going to go with this bit over here. I thought you were a pastor. I go to your church. You should hire me. So, nope, I'm keeping this house and, and we're keeping our memories. All right? So... Uh, for myself, planted vineyards, I made gardens and parks, so that's what's gonna fill me. That's what, that, that'll fill me right up. I'm gonna have all this to look at and all this to survey. Mmm, it's gonna be great. Planted all kinds of fruit trees in them, I made reservoirs, uh, to water groves and flourishing trees, and sometimes people are always just looking for a project to fill up. I bought male and female slaves, and had other slaves who were born in my house. I also owned more herds and flocks, than anyone in Jerusalem. We're going to see later on in this book that the sleep of a laborer is sweet. Someone who works and goes home and finds rest, but someone who has a lot can sometimes have a hard time sleeping because you're thinking about all you need to do to manage what you got. And in this day, could you imagine, you got a herd over here, a herd over there, a herd over there, a herd over there. You try to fall asleep at night, and you're like, okay, where are they? Okay, tomorrow, got to move that herd over there, got to move that herd over there. And the more you have, the more you have to lose sleep over, the more you have to think about than anyone in Jerusalem before me, he says. And then I amassed silver and gold for myself. I don't know, last night, did you see? The $1.6 billion lottery did not have a winner, and now it's a, a record $1.9 billion. That's insane. Now, if I did study, don't get excited, because if you take it in a lump sum, it's only like $850 million. Uh, and then after taxes, you're gonna be down to like 400 500. So it's not what it's cracked up to be. I all I'm trying to say uh, Can I make you this guarantee and in the first service when I share this I just saw all three It's like it, We're all on the same page. I saw everybody going like this. Yes Do you know who if somebody wins that 1.9 billion? Here's something I can guarantee you next year at this time They will not have more joy in their life than I do Look at the little people. Yeah, you don't want to get rich exhausted because they're going to get that money they got to hire lawyers and accountants and they got to help people get help manage it they got to go on hgtv lottery dream home show and all that they got to find a new house they got to find new friends (laughs) they're going to have to find it's just going to change their life and i just i'm telling you it will not bring more joy we've heard the stories of people who were making a few bucks and they come into all that money they're not prepared they don't know how to manage that kind of money but we think and there are some of you in here right now going, but Ted, that's one thing I want to test. <laughs> I hear what you're saying, but let me try the lotto. Let me prove you wrong. Isn't that something? So, you know, there's a, a study done years ago. It's a well-documented study that put the optimal income for happiness. Anybody want to guess what it is? The optimal, optimal income for happiness. Just throw a number out at me. How much? Somebody say 100000 $67,000, $75,000. We're going to see this in a moment in Philippians. But here, here's what they discovered. That, you know, the basics are covered in the first parts of your income. Like what Dave Ramsey calls your four walls, right? Food, shelter, clothing, food, water, and all of that is in that. But up to $75,000, is a, a range of happiness that people find. But after 75000 this study discovered not a big difference. Not a big difference between the person making $75,000 and the person making a million. And again, right now, this is what I love about this book. There are people in here going, I want to test that theory. I make this, give me this, and I'll show you what I'll be able to do. He says, "And the treasure of kings and provinces, I acquired male and female singers. Now we're into entertainment. And do we live in a day where we, we are entertained all day long. I grew up in a day where you had a favorite show and you watched it and they left you with a cliffhanger and you had to wait till next week to find out what happens. Now, if you decide today you want to get into a new show, you can binge watch the, binge watch the whole thing by midnight. It's, at the, it's just at the tip of our fingers. We can be entertained. I, we're not hiring bands to live with us, uh, but he He did. We have our, our, our phones, but he had them, and a harem. And not to get into too many details with this, but there are those saying just fill your life with sex. Fill your life with, with relationships that are just for your pleasure only. The delights of a man's heart. I became greater by far. I love that, greater by far. In joy, in purpose, in meaning. No, and what other people would look at and go, you got it going on. You got a great life. You got all that. You can do whatever you want. Nobody telling you what to do. I became far greater than anyone in Jerusalem before me. In all this, my wisdom stayed with me. I'm still trying to figure out. I'm still pursuing this as a test. Now, here's the key: verse 10. An American, I'm just saying this, United States of American citizen. This, is, this verse 10 is us. I denied myself nothing. We live in a country where we don't ever have to say no. We can say yes to everything. Food placed before us, opportunities for entertainment, going places. He said, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. I said yes to everything to test and to see if that would fill me up. Yet... My heart took delight in all my labor, and this was the reward for all my toil. Verse 11, yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and all that I had toiled, uh, grueling labor, the difficult challenges that go into building all of this and providing all of this. And here we get all three themes that we looked at last week in one verse. Everything was meaningless, utterly empty apart from God, chasing after the wind, putting a lot of energy into something, didn't get the reward that i was looking for and nothing was gained under the sun and here's our lesson up to this point with denying ourselves nothing if you deny yourself nothing you will live an empty life you will live and i'm just going to say it the meaningless life if if you deny yourself nothing we looked at this term last week. If I deny myself nothing and say yes to everything, I'm wasting my life. Yes to every morsel, drink, gathering, meeting, project, and opportunity leads to an empty life. This isn't, this isn't how Christians are called to live. We're, not, we're called to, to sacrifice and deny so that Christ can fill us. I was thinking about it this week. We're only a couple of weeks uh, away, a couple of weeks away from this right here. Oh, I love this. I absolutely love Thanksgiving. And I'm I'm, I'm already telling myself, be good, be good, be good, be good. You don't need to go crazy. Just take little, small little portions. But this will be me at about 2 or 3 o'clock on (laughs) Thanksgiving. And you know, you're sitting there going, I've made a terrible mistake. And then Amy will go, you want to... It's about around 4 o'clock. You want a turkey sandwich? Yes, I want a turkey sandwich. (laughs) Of course I do. It's Thanksgiving. We're supposed to just eat all day long. Let me just add, as much fun as it is to be gathered around with family and friends and eat, 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 eat. How are you feeling at the end of that big old meal where you're just stuffing, 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 stuffing and at the end of it, you're like, oh, you know why? Because you think you're full, but you're (laughs) miserable. Miserable. And so... You will never enjoy God in life if you deny yourself nothing. If you deny yourself nothing. Right? This is what we know as followers of Jesus. As followers of Jesus, we're told... Katie, you can go to the next slide. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves this is a mark of our faith and as Christians and as followers not to say, yes, 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 bring it, bring it, bring it, bring it. No. What am I denying myself so I can be full? Kept thinking about it this week. Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. It's all throughout your Bible. All the stuff we want to be filled with, but ultimately leaves us empty. And take up their cross and follow me. As Solomon moves through this test and he says, here's what I tried. Denied myself nothing. And look at how strong we get with words like hated and despair as we move to verse 17. So I hated life. Because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. Grievous to me. All of it is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. I hated all the things I had toiled the grueling labor for under the sun. Because I must leave them to the one who comes after me. There's some seniors in here. You're wrestling with that right now. You're getting ready to leave this earth, and you've heard it in church. I don't know how many times every one of our teaching pastors has shared this. You will never see a hearse pulling a U-Haul. No matter what you try to accumulate, you're not taking it with you. And here the reality is that all of this that you gather, you're going to leave for someone else. Pastor Tommy Nelson at Denton Bible Church, I love when he teaches this. He says... uh, Just make sure the last check you write to your children in life bounces. I thought that's a pretty uh, dismal look at things. Let's keep going. Verse 19. And who knows whether that person will be wise or foolish. Who knows what they're going to do with the stuff you leave them. Yet they will have control over all the fruit of my toil into which I have poured my effort and skill under the sun. And here's what he's really doing in this text. He's, He's again processing the brevity of life. He's now wrestling with death. Like, I did all of this, and now he's talking about the end in mind, and he's going, is this this it? Is this it to build all this up and try to fill my life with this, and then I'm gone? I have poured my effort and skill under the sun, that chasing after the wind. This, too, is meaningless. So my heart began to despair. Now, at this point, it almost reads to me like a, a lament psalm. I don't know if you're getting that feeling as we read this text, but a lament psalm, I'm hurting. Uh, The enemy is winning. God, you don't seem to be listening. And that's what I'm reading in Ecclesiastes 2. This, ugh, you know, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. It didn't work. And so what's our, this is counterintuitive to the wisdom of God. But our mind goes what? Just more then. If this didn't do it, I just need more glasses. And I need the glasses to be more full. Just go more, 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 more. And he's saying I get to the end and realize I had the wrong end in mind. So I began to despair over all my toilsome labor under the sun. Four, a person may labor with wisdom, knowledge, and skill, and then they must leave all they own to another who has not toiled for it. This too is meaningless and a great misfortune. What do people get for all the toil and anxious striving with which they labor under the sun? Lots of questions in Ecclesiastes. But he doesn't leave us there. That's what I love. And so that lament psalm always ends with, yeah, a lot of... It, it, it's a, it, A lot of pain. God, where are you in all of this? But then it always ends with this confession of trust. But great is your faithfulness. God, you are good. You are one I can rest in and trust no matter what I'm going through. All their days, their work is grief and pain. Even at the night, their minds do not rest, right? Because all the stuff you got, you're thinking about it all and all that you need to do. But he doesn't leave us here. And here's where it turns. Verse 24 Almost done with this chapter. A person can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in their own toil. This too I see, and now here it changes. The the tone changes, not just meaningless. He says, but when I see all of this as from the hand of God, so it's, it's from the giver, which makes it what? A gift. I begin to see it as a gift. It completely and totally changes my perspective on all of this. Not meant to be a source, but it is meant to be seen as I received it from the Lord. I see this from the hand of God for without him. So that's tied back to the everything is meaningless, right? Utterly meaningless without him who can eat or find enjoyment. It continues and it ends with this to the person who pleases him. God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. But the sinner, he gives the task of gathering and storing up wealth to hand it over to the one who pleases God. That we would have wisdom in what we have been given. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. We are to see food, drink, and work as gifts, not the source. Boy, we read the same thing in Ephesians chapter, or not Ephesians, Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Again, going a couple chapters from now, this is what I've observed to be good, that it is appropriate for a person to eat, to drink, to find satisfaction in their toilsome labor under the sun. During the few days of life, here it is again, that God has given them, here it is again, from the hand of God, God has given us all of this, for this is their lot. Moreover, when God gives someone, give her again, there it is, wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, to accept their lot and And to be happy, Christians, we have a real negative tone with the word happy. Happy is a great word. And sometimes you hear Christians split the word joy and happiness. The Bible doesn't do that, so I don't know where that fell into Christian theology and teaching. John Piper says the Bible uses delight, contentment, joy, and happiness interchangeably. We like to hair split it and go joy is inner peace we get from God. Happiness hinges on our circumstances or what's going on around us. The Bible doesn't say that. This saying we, we can be happy. We'd be happy in our toil when we understand it's a gift from God. So that's why when we gather around the table, we thank the Lord. And we say in our home often as we're praying, we receive this with thanksgiving. Because you are the giver. So that I'll never get cocky thinking it was my strength that provided this on the table. That ultimately he gave me the wind, the breath in my lungs. And the strength to be able to provide this. And then verse 20, they seldom reflect on the days of their life. Hmm. They seldom look back on days. We're going to see too. Don't ask, why were the old days better than these? Oftentimes people will say, I miss the good old days. You know what you miss about the good old days? The highlights. But when we say the good old days, we tend to not want to talk about the injustices that took place in that time period that you're talking about. And guess what? Every generation has highlights and every generation has injustices. But we seldom reflect on those days when we know who our source is. Why? Because God keeps us occupied with gladness of heart. This just said he went after laughter. Listen, laughter reveals joy. Like laughter is an overflow of joy. Find your joy in Christ and enjoy the days that you have upon this earth. We read in Philippians, it's another misunderstood passage because sometimes we read Philippians four thirteen is I can do anything I want through Christ who gives me strength, and that is not what it says. You have to understand verse twelve before you get to verse thirteen. It says I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation again whether i'm making 20 grand a year or whether i'm making 100 grand a year whether i'm making 15 grand a year and you're like you can't make it on 50 okay you're making 25 grand a year to making 200 grand a year i've learned the secret of being content in every situation and meaning this is something we can learn and discipline ourselves to understand the source and to walk with jesus whether living in plenty or in want i can do all this i can do all things you know what it's talking about there the extremes of life I can go through the good times, the highlights. I can go through the bad times. I can go through darkness. and I can walk through it all because I can do it all because it is Christ who is my ultimate source. And that's where this illustration ends. We're wrapping it up. Okay. The magic trick did not work in the first service, in case you're wondering. And we don't have it recorded, so... <laughs> oh, it was bad. Uh, but we've used some stuff. That, but this is this represents... Being filled by God. And it is a limited illustration. I know that. But you need to understand all of these limited supply, not meant to fill and bring meaning to your life. He is unlimited free refills. Stay connected to the source because He fills and leaves us full. We don't, we don't ever, we can just keep pouring and pouring, stay connected to the true and only source of life. You have no idea the sleep I have lost the last two nights. Would you help me thank Cortland Ingram? He's the one that put the whole illustration together. Woo! Would you pray with me? (laughs) Father, you are our end in mind. Why would we look to anything else to be the end in mind or to be the source of life? Whatever they're turning to in this room right now, to bring their meaning to life. Let them see today and end today. Confess to you, repent of that today, turning that gift into an idol and look to you as their true true meaning and true source that whatever circumstance we go through, whether hungry or well-fed, we turn to Christ, the true and only source of life. For the one who's never placed faith in Jesus, that today they would stop trying to fill themselves with food and drink and work and possessions and wealth to find meaning, but that they would turn to you, the true and only source of life. And we pray this in the authority of the name of Jesus. And everyone agreed and said...